Hi, I'm Wendy Merchant, founder and executive director of STEM Blazers, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. STEM Blazers is a nonprofit organization that works with middle school and high school girls to inspire them to visualize themselves in science, technology, engineering, and math. Today's episode is hosted by Madison and Katie Fur, and they will be speaking with Aditi Ravindranath. Aditi is the Associate Director of Marketing Science at Vertex Pharmaceuticals. As you will hear, Aditi grew up and attended university in India prior to arriving in the U.S., where she studied and received her Ph.D. Aditi talks about her passion for helping doctors develop drug therapies to combat disease and getting them distributed to patients who are in need. She also shares her thoughts about the importance of having women in science as mentors and the opportunity to see someone who looks like you. Aditi has volunteered with STEM Blazers over the past few years, and she is a wonderful role model for young women who aspire to pursue a career in the sciences and medical field. Aditi continues to impress me so much as a woman in STEM. She continually pushes herself to learn and progress while being flexible to meet the needs of the medical industry. We will absolutely miss her while she is in Boston, but she will continue to inspire the next generation of young women and all of us through this podcast. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi everyone, I'm Madison and I'm a STEM Blazers alum. STEM Blazers has given me countless opportunities and limitless encouragement to develop my confidence in professional relationships. I now volunteer with STEM Blazers as I pursue my college degree. Hello, I am Katie Fur. I was in the South Metro chapter for the school year of 2019 to 2020. I am now volunteering for STEM Blazers as a take a gap year. Hi Didi, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you guys? I'm doing great. I'm good too. All right. And if we're all ready, let's go ahead and jump into our first set of questions. So, um, Aditi, the first question that I have for you is when you were younger, what did you want to do and what did school look like for you? <laughs> when I was younger, what did I want to do? That's a great question. Um, I think I think one of the early things that I wanted to do early on was actually be a teacher. I feel like many kids go through this phase where you, you know, you, uh, at least a lot of kids, my, when I was growing up, many wanted to be a teacher because I think that's sort of the main profession you interact with as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so you just figure that that's probably where you're going to end up. But after, after I got past that phase, uh, through, I think that was in elementary school. Um, uh, I, I think I started thinking about science. I, I, in retrospect, I realized indirectly very early on. Um, I think when I was, probably in middle school and I you know got started, started to get some exposure to science I was really interested in environmental science mm-hmm. uh, and I think that as the years passed by it sort of got honed further um, with you know really being interested in chemistry and biology I, I recall when I was in you know one of the I, I forget whether this was in middle school or high school but you know early days of going into like a chemistry lab and just seeing all those chemicals and those cool bottles and the colored liquids and the cool powders. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, this is like a dream come true. I wish you could just go wild. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so I think pretty early on, I, without real, quite realizing it, was interested in research in a sort of from a scientific perspective. So, yeah, I think that's sort of the journey of the various weird interests that uh, evolved through, through school. <laughs> um, Aditi, so you're not from the United States. What challenges did you face when you arrived to the U.S.? Yes, so I'm yeah I'm, I'm originally from India, uh, and I were, be, grew up in India. Went to went through school in India, uh, did my college in India as well, and then I finally came to the US for my uh, PhD. I mean, I think there were a few obviously a few challenges in terms of um, you know, you know there's a sort of your more 
uh, professional challenges versus maybe your more sort of personal challenges. Obviously, personally, you know, being away from family, uh, half a world away, um, not being able to really, you know, be close to family, um, you know, during the holidays, you know, times you really miss them um, was definitely a challenge. But I think what helped was there's there's a pretty big community. And was the case in University of Michigan, which is where I went um, to do my PhD of, you know, other Indian students. So we sort of would celebrate things together and, you know, hang out, which was nice. Uh, but I think on a professional front, um, it, it's just sort of, you know, obviously the sort of different education systems in different countries. So sort of just trying to get used to the system in the US. It did take me, you know, maybe my first six to eight months, I was, you know, trying to figure things out and get used to the system and, sort of understand how to navigate um, all the hurdles here. Um, so I would say sort of broadly, those would be sort of two broad categories. But I think after that, I mean, to be frank, I think by the time I had come to the US, we were li- already living in such a connected world. Um, I didn't, I, I was kind of surprised by the lack of challenges also, because it just felt like quite a smooth transition. You were expecting more. You never know, right? <laughs> sort of come in. Yeah. <laughs> Not really knowing what you're getting yourself into, so. Uh-huh. And then going off of um, kind of losing your community when you left your family, um, you were a part of, I know when you came to Colorado, at least you were a part of a lot of professional um, organizations and then you started volunteering with STEM Blazers. So um, you kind of had the opportunity to find a new community um, by exploring your profession and things like that. No, absolutely. I mean, I think um, I, I would actually say I got interested in, uh, STEM outreach and education in graduate school uh, because um, there, you know, again, you're in sort of a community of, um, we, you know, Michigan has a really massive graduates, you know, multiple graduate schools, multiple graduate school programs, and so uh, I think we are a really great community where uh, you know students and scientists and researchers wanted to give back to the community, and so I got a lot of exposure to that when I was in Michigan, um, and that sort of really uh, sort of piqued my interest in wanting to continue to. You know, while working myself in the STEM field, also wanting to be involved in the outreach side of things. Um, so that's something that I continued to pursue even after graduating and, you know, always, which, which was city I, I landed up in looking for a group that, you know, that sort of worked in, in that space. So, Didi, what do you do for work now? Um, you recently moved to Boston. Could you go more into depth of what you do? Absolutely. Yeah. So I work for a company called Vertex Pharmaceuticals. Uh, we're a company that uh, develops uh, drugs and therapies for rare diseases. Um, and I specifically, you know, work in the uh, nephrology space, so rare renal diseases. Uh, but essentially, you know, in a very broad sense, um, the area that I work in, or the kind of work that I do is what one would call commercial insights, which sounds really complicated. But what it essentially is, is that um, I am using a mix of various types of analytics so data analytics or uh, you know other types of research to understand um, understand the market understand what are the needs of currently of clinicians and patients so that I can help educate um, um, you know my um, various um, sort of uh, stakeholders internally who are involved in developing the drug um, so you know so for example I go out and talk to uh, clinicians or nurses or patients who are experiencing, um, you know, experiencing that particular disease or who are treating the disease to understand how are they currently treating the disease, where are the gaps, uh, you know, what do they want to see in a you know, particular therapy that would help them solve, um, solve the problem, um, as well as, you know, looking at um, sort of big data, uh, which essentially means, you know, you're looking at data that comes out of uh, the way in which hospitals 
currently are treating patients and using existing drugs uh, to understand patterns in, um, again, again, the way in which the disease progresses and ways in which we can better develop drugs. So going off of that, what do you think the most challenging um, problem that either you or your company is currently trying to solve right now? Huh. That's a great question. I mean, I, I think there are a few few levels to it. So I think in in from from the perspective of my company, uh, it's developing drugs that can I mean literally transform patients' lives in um, in disease areas that don't have drugs, right? So you're sort of dealing with these really serious diseases that just for whatever reason don't currently have therapies, and so being able to meet that need. Um, and I think the way I, I the challenge that I see particularly within that framework is. Uh, being able to recognize what the key issues are that we can solve, prioritizing those challenges, and then get, once we do develop the drug, getting it out to the people who need it. Uh, because I think that's often, I, I would say actually that's, that's, I mean, especially with the current pandemic, as you can see, um, often there are, even when they're in a situation where there are therapies, they don't often reach the people who need it most. And I think that's a critical part of that, um, you know, that, that, that whole channel that one needs to focus on. Ultimately, you want to get the drug out to the patient who needs it. Yeah, that is definitely a huge, huge challenge. I can't even begin to think of how one would tackle that, honestly. But um, yeah, that was a really great um, answer to that question. And I thank you for answering those first few questions that we had for you. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back for a couple more questions. Awesome. Hi, it's Wendy. I'm excited to share that STEM Blazers will be celebrating women breaking through during the month of May. We will be sharing on our social media networks the women in our community, including individuals who have received a promotion at work, maybe an award, and of course our students graduating from high school and college. We want to celebrate with you, so please go to our website at www.stemblazers.org and nominate yourself or someone you would like to move into the spotlight. Thank you for being part of the Stemblazers community, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the conversation. Okay, so the next question we have for you is, who has helped you along the way and who did you have as a mentor going through school or through your professional life? Um, not a great question. Um, you know, and that's, I mean, I, I feel like that's partly what motivated me or, or really inspired me when I started to see the impact that STEM outreach can have. Because to be frank, when I think back to all the folks I had as mentors, they were all men, right? Because you, I was also always sort of, you know, interested in science and I looked around and it was all the, you know, like my dad's an engineer. I have cousin, you know, guy cousins were engineers and, other, you know, other folks were doing science and it was, it was just a bunch of men. So, I mean, I guess to answer your question, I, it was probably all the, you know, men around me who were doing science who I thought, you know, I thought it was really cool that everyone was doing science. But in retrospect, again, I realized that there was just this vacuum of not having uh, a woman scientist to look up to. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think as I progressed through, um, you know, through college and then through graduate school, I definitely sort of started to see a lot more, you know, women scientists and actually looking up to them um, to, you know, get sort of uh, more unfiltered guidance and sort of having, you know, some, uh, you know, having sort of a person to just think through, uh, you know, my career or my, you know, just my scientific interests and sort of, you know, just having a sounding board, it just sometimes helps to have someone you can casually talk to about those things. 
Uh, but I, I, but I, but again, I don't think that happened until much later um, when I was actually in a you know in a research setting where I was surrounded by a lot of scientists and there were you know a handful of women that I was able to identify and go after and say, hey, I'm gonna probably bug you um, over the next few months with a bunch of questions. So, Didi, so you mentioned how you had a lot of male um, men in your life who. You were your mentors because they were in, interested in science or STEM. Um, for STEM Blazers, I know you volunteer and you are a mentor. Um, how do you see that having a woman to look up that's in STEM? How has that like? How is that important? Is it important for young girls to see that? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's incredibly powerful to see someone who looks like looks like you. I mean, just fundamentally looks like you. Um, in a you know in an area that interests you. Um, it, it's it's something that doesn't seem very obvious, but again, when you you know start to see, I think you start to realize how powerful it is when you do start to see. You know, for for me as a mentee, looking up to women mentors because. Um, you know, you, you, there's a lot of unique experiences that you go through as a woman. Um, you know, whatever what said and done, you know, you, you try to, and everyone tries to create a, a so-called equal world, but this is going to be unique experiences that you go through as a woman um, that no man can sort of talk to. Um, so I think it's incredibly powerful to be able to, um, you know, have women in the, the and, 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 you know, women in a variety of areas, right? It's not just you know, like that one woman engineer that you remember from, you know, like a family friend or whatever. You want to have, you know, women represented in all these really unique, uh, you know, fields and subfields within STEM, just so that you know there's this breadth of areas that women have, you know, are working in. And um, yeah, so I think it's incredibly powerful uh, to, to see someone who looks like you in an area that you're interested in um, and being able to sort of, you know, ask them questions and talk to them. I think that's great. And it definitely sounds like either intentionally or unintentionally, you took the lack of female mentors in your life as a sort of call to action um, to create that for other people, which is, is really, I think, a really cool thing. Um, and I wanted to know what has been the most rewarding part of your career thus far? Um, rewarding part of my career. I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, a, a few, but I think, I, I guess maybe I can talk about two. I think one that was very rewarding is actually getting myself through graduate school because it was probably the one of the most challenging things that I've ever done in my life. And and to be frank, I wasn't quite sure I'd make it through. Um, so if, if, if you ever get a chance to talk to uh, uh, someone else who has or is going through a PhD sort of experience, they, you know, I'm sure most will share that it was probably a very, very, you know, it's one of the most challenging things that you ever do because it's sort of, it, there's this, this immense amount of responsibility on your own shoulder and you have to, you know, be motivated and push the work through. There's also these other factors that can really impact your ability to get things done, um, especially with the current environment where, you know, there's just not enough funding for, for research, unfortunately. Uh, so this gets very competitive. So, yeah, I mean, just getting myself through those five years of graduate school, I think coming out of it, I, I did feel proud that, you know, I had I, I managed to push through and, and get out. Um, and I think the other piece that's been very rewarding for me is uh, at the same time, and, you know, this part of the reason I switched gears out of academia after I finished my PhD was I, you know, I wanted to get closer to the action. I wanted to work with patients. I wanted to work with clinicians to understand, you know, how, how we can develop therapies that can help them as opposed to in my uh, academic research was sort of very basic biology. So it was very interesting, but I just felt very disconnected from 
the downstream applications. Um, so I think what was very what has been very rewarding is actually giving myself the flexibility to explore all these various interests in healthcare. Um, because you know, with each experience, I'm you know learning something new. I'm always pushing myself outside my comfort zone and sort of coming out learning an incredible amount. So um, I think that's been really rewarding, not limiting myself in that sense. That's good. What goals do you have in your career as of right now? <laughs> I, I, you know, it's it's funny because you, I, I feel like your your whole life you're trained to think about having goals, and funnily enough, you end up like doing exactly. I mean, I mean, obviously, often you do, you know, many things align to what you your goals are, but you often realize that life happens and that things change, and you sort of just have to go with the flow. Um, and, and I feel like I've come to terms with that now and sort of feel that that's maybe the best way going forward. So, I, so, I, to, so to answer your question, I don't have specific goals besides to say that I want to continue to learn, be excited by whatever work I'm doing, continue to push myself um, and sort of keep reevaluating every few years where I am and sort of sort of figuring out where I want to go next. So keeping you know things fluid, I think, has been something that I've found to be very key to my own um, development and career progression. And I think that kind of speaks to the nature of STEM in general, because you don't know what in five years, what kind of technology um, and research innovations have been made. Um, so you got to keep your options open so you don't get stuck in you know, yeah. something that's outdated at that point. No, that's a fantastic point, Madison, because there are going to be areas that you can just not predict that would be, you know, that that you land up in as well as that would be have application in the work that you do, right? Um, so that's a fantastic point because um, a lot of the work that I do now, uh, especially around the data analytics piece, uh, and again, for, you know, anyone who's sort of keeping up with the way, de- how important data is, um, you know, becoming and has become these days, um, it's just sort of skyrocketed in terms of its how, how much it's penetrated all these very STEM fields. Um, so I think if you'd asked me when I entered consulting, whether I'd be doing data analytics, I probably would have laughed that off and said, I mean, I'm not a programmer. That's who does that, right? But, uh, not me. I mean, I probably need someone who specialized, but now I find myself working very closely with programmers to understand a lot of problems and define problems. So that's a very valid point. So now it is time for the rapid fire question round. I will ask you a series of questions and you will answer them as fast as you can. Are you ready? Yep, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your favorite song? Favorite song? Oh, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. <laughs> what type of environment do you like to work in? Collaborative, cross-functional environments are great. That's good. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Describe yourself in a hashtag. Oh my God. I, I mean, I don't, I don't even have a Twitter account, so I need to um, hashtag awkward. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that's okay. okay. <laughs> <Just said awkwardly. laughs> what do you do to de-stress? Exercise. What are three things you can't live without? Sleep, food, um, music. What is the best compliment you have ever received? Uh Gosh, I'm, I'm really bad with compliments and stuff. Um, something to the effect of how enthusiastic I've been about something. I, yeah. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite hobby? Uh, favorite hobby. Um, I okay. When I was in Colorado, I loved hiking. I have to revisit my hobbies now that I'm in Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is a book everyone should read? A book everyone should read. Oh, oh, oh God, there are too many. Okay, since we're, we're sticking with the STEM theme, I would say um, 
I mean, any Isaac Asimov book, to be frank, but uh, specifically the um, uh, Foundation, the Foundation series by Isaac Asimov. That sounds great. And then lastly, this is a question that we ask all of our guests. Standing where you are now, what advice would you give to your high school self? Um, don't be afraid to try new things. Again, yeah, you, you just learn so much more when you put yourself outside your comfort zone. So I would not be, af- be afraid to try new things and um, just sort of keep pushing your limit. Thank you so much, Aditi, for um, coming on to the STEM Blazers podcast today. On behalf of STEM Blazers, I want to thank you for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on this episode of the STEM Blazers podcast. Next week, we will be speaking with a new professional. To learn more about STEM Blazers, to donate or to get involved, please visit us at stemblazers.org or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at STEM Blazers. <laughs>